Hello, this is Pastor John Willingham of Doralstown Presbyterian Church. As our podcast audience continues to grow, I want to thank our loyal listeners and welcome those who may have just recently found us. We know that life can quickly become busy, so this podcast offers an on-the-go opportunity to hear a Sunday sermon along with the scripture lesson read by that day's lay leader or preacher. We also encourage you to visit our website at dtownpc.org to learn more about our church and all of our diverse ministries. Thank you for tuning in. Our scripture for today comes from Luke chapter 14, and it might be familiar to you, or this might be the first time you're ever hearing it, but have these words fall afresh on you today. Luke chapter 14, verses 1 through 14. On one occasion, when Jesus was going to the house of a leader of the Pharisees to eat a meal on the Sabbath, they were watching him closely. Just then in front of him was a man who had dropsy. And Jesus asked the lawyers and the Pharisees, is it lawful to cure people on the Sabbath or not? But they were silent. So Jesus took him and healed him and sent him away. Then he said to them, if one of you has a child or an ox that has fallen into a well, would you not immediately pull it out even though it was the Sabbath day? And they could not reply to this. When he noticed how the guests chose their places of honor, he told them a parable. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down in the place of honor, in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host. And the host who invited both of you may come and say, give this person your place. And then in disgrace, you would start to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down at the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, Friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. He also said that the one who had invited him, when you give a luncheon or in dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return, and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and redeemer. Amen. I didn't wake up this morning thinking that I would save a child from having to go to the ER, but that's what happened. The backstory is that I had several jobs when I was younger and in college, and one of them involved working at a daycare that was kindergarten through fifth grade. It was an easy gig. Watch the kids, play with the kids, have snack with the kids, count the kids. And we even had the opportunity to plan some fun crafts. And I particularly loved learning about the different holidays that all of them celebrated. That was actually the first time I had ever heard of the holiday of Kwanzaa, which falls near Christmas time. I was there a few years, and I was considered one of the veteran workers. 
But nothing more solidified me as a veteran than this story I'm about to tell you. One day we were at the snack tables and Brianna, a third grader, started feeling her throat with her hands and moving sort of abnormally. She said she felt like her throat was closing. Knowing that she had a peanut allergy, I quickly looked at the ingredients on the back of her snack packet. No peanut. Well, I turned to the girl and I wondered, she's still wincing in uneasiness. There must be something still going on. So I looked at the girl next to her with an open snack and I asked, have you all been sharing snack? And she said no with her head. They weren't, but I still looked at the back of the snack and it said that it had peanut oil in it. Maybe she breathed on her, maybe she licked her. I wasn't going to take anything for caution. And I yelled to my coworker, call 911 and then call her guardian. And I ran inside to go get her EpiPen, which was kept with all of the first aid stuff. Now back then, the rules to first aid and CPR with a child of this particular age, old enough, third grade, you couldn't administer something like uh, medicine known as the EpiPen. They must do it for themselves. And it was ingrained in us in CPR and first aid training that you could get in serious trouble. Lawsuits and of course, loss of your job. When I returned back to Brianna, she was frozen in fear. There was no way that this kid was going to be able to administer her own EpiPen. Knowing no, no way to know the severity of her allergy exactly, I took a deep breath and I took my hand and curled it around her tiny hand and I almost crushed her thumb as I jabbed the EpiPen into her thigh. I took a deep breath and soon enough, Brianna did as well. She went with her parents and the paramedics and I attended to the rest of the kids. Never did a lawsuit show up and never did I guess, second guess my actions. Now as I was coming at our particular scripture for today, this very important life moment came to me because Jesus used an example with such tenderness, trying to get to the heart of the Pharisees an example of tenderness that he wouldn't forget, they wouldn't forget, and I immediately identified with. Jesus has gathered in the home for this Sabbath meal with a Pharisee and a few others. It sounds like they were watching him closely, and this was a shadowing, even though it's chapter 14 and there's 20-some chapters in Luke. The forefront of the cross is still shadowing on this part because they're watching him closely to see what he does so that one day he will die. And that's what Luke wants us to pay attention to, our gospel writer. The fact that this text takes place in the context of Jesus' long journey to Jerusalem. Now, in the middle of this hanging out with a bunch of people at this house on the Sabbath day, these are all important facts to catch. Some people have heard that Jesus is there, and they have brought their friend to him to heal him. He has something called dropsy. And Jesus takes this opportunity with the sick man, and in front of everyone, before healing the man, says, is it lawful to cure people on the Sabbath or not? They return with silence. Jesus took the man, healed him, and sent him away in very Jesus-like fashion. 
Then he said to them, If one of you has a child, or if you don't have a child, maybe an ox that has fallen into a well, wouldn't you cure them or heal them or help them if it was the Sabbath day? Now, we're not exactly sure how the people received Jesus' question about healing a man of the Sabbath right in front of them. Personally, this hypothetical turned into reality for me personally. I care deeply about their response, and more so about Jesus' response. How could they not follow their human instinct? And so Jesus asked them, what would you do? And in verse 6, we get their reply. They could not reply to this. They were dumbfounded, or maybe stupefied. So our scripture continues without really an answer for us. And we're invited to see ourselves more deeply into this particular scripture passage at a party. And though it sounds like party etiquette, it's a comment about how people of the day were jostling for a perfect position in the eyes of each other and thereby God. They were eager to push themselves forward saying, I am better than you and you are not doing it right. They were noting the slacking in everyone. And so their encouragement from Jesus is to be humble and to not sit yourself at the seat of the most honored, but instead sit at the lowest seat, knowing where your value comes from. Not in obeying the laws, but your value comes from God. God who is a God of compassion and love. And this kind of God turns their world upside down, but they're not really quite sure how to take it at this moment. Now the last part of our scripture for this morning, Jesus is speaking to both the hosts and the guests and what appears to be some counterintuitive advice. So if you're celebrating a meal, do not think in terms of a typical guest list, ones that might repay you so that the circle is complete. This is our social construct after all. You invite your friends, your friends invite you over. You invite your rich friends somewhere and you hope to be in your rich friends' good graces. And what's at stake is some pretty high-risk social claims. And Jesus calls us to instead consider inviting the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Now, of course, you can't repay these types of people. And stepping back, we realize that this is not about a party that's happening here and now. And even the grammar lends us to the opportunity to think about our eschatological concept, a theological statement, a prophetic piece. This is about God's kingdom. And we tend to forget that our beliefs and faith and the discipleship that we hold true are actually claims of what we believe about God. And so if we insist that our faith and salvation are dependent upon an equal rate of exchange between us and God, well, guess who's not invited to the party? Us. Instead, God's grace is big enough for us all, and we are all invited to the party. And as Christians, it's our job to do the work, to think about in our own context and our own families what it might mean to celebrate God's kingdom so that the people at the bottom of the pile might be seen as the front. So as an example of this and what this expectation might look like, I wanted to share with you a verbal description of a place that I've been. And I highly suggest that you Google it a little bit later today or this week. 
It's called the Our Lady of the Angels Cathedral in Los Angeles. It's one of the largest cathedrals in the entire world, and it was built about 20 years ago. And the outside architecture is astoundingly gorgeous and wonderful. But I wanted to draw your attention to the inside. So come along with me as I paint this journey. It is a depiction of God's magnificent kingdom here on earth. Now, if you think about our sanctuary, it's not all that different, where there's two sets of pews and then a very long outside wall on both sides, probably triple in length because it's, you know, the largest cathedral. So about 100 yards on one side and another 100 yards on another side. There are tapestries hanging, and along these tapestries are figures all lined up. And they're gorgeous. They've got several saints with all of their names written and inscribed in the bottom. And you can go along and you can notice each and every one of them there. John the Baptist, De La Salle is there, Moses the Ethiopian, Thomas Moore, St. Cecilia, Stephen, Ignatius of Loyola, Bonaventure, Felicitas of Perpetua. And among them you see different ages, different skin tones, different cultures, different ways of dressing. It brings together the modern, the medieval, and the ancient. Now, all of the models for the figure, of course, weren't depicted exactly like these saints. After all, we just had photography in this last century and a half, really. So how did they get the images for each one of these saints? Well, the artist went out to the streets of Los Angeles and took pictures of ordinary citizens. And I don't take offense, even though I am a native Angelino, I am not on one of the tapestries at the Our Lady of the Angels Cathedral. This beautiful artistry is amazing. And what a feeling to be surrounded by these inspirational saints, articulated in a tension between this past and present. And in a wonderful way, although less artistic, is the same concept. We here at DPC are taking a moment today to recognize the saints who have come before us, enlisting those who have passed this last year. And we'll lift them up in prayer a little bit later in the service. But it calls for us to reflect on a life following Christ, important to take a pause, to be impacted and inspired by the fact that we are a part of a larger story of God's love and redemption for this world. And you can't help but feel part of this larger story when you're sitting in Our Lady of the Angels Cathedral. You might look around and notice some of the saints that you don't recognize, and some of us who are in the Protestant tradition will notice some saints, like Peter and Paul. And you'll also notice that there are, as along this long line of saints, four on each side and some throughout that have no names. Now, they're not left off in accident. They're not trying to cover their tracks about like, well, maybe there's some saints that we forgot about because there are a lot of them. There are eight total plus a few scattered that don't have names to suggest that there are more names of saints calling an invitation to you, to us, those of us sitting in the pew that we are a saint in the making and what our calling is. This concept of what a saint continues, and you can almost see the saint as you are sitting in your row, as part of your row. 
So think back to the illustration and the question earlier on in the sermon this morning, where Jesus asks, is it lawful to cure people on the Sabbath or not? And how Jesus pulls this immediate personal example of what about a child? And the fact that they could not reply to this. Maybe there's a reason that Jesus started off with such something that is so personal, a child or your animal. What course of action might you do to help this child? Would you consider the cost of saving this child? Does it outweigh anything else? Would it be the same if this child were far away, maybe in a different country? Does the scenario change for you if it's not a child at all, but an adult? What if it wasn't physical danger anymore, but a long-term effect, such as hunger? How might your answer change? Should your answer change? What is the rubric for which you base your answer? Take a deep breath. There is no easy answer. But Jesus calls us to not dismiss it, but consider it, to watch him closely, and to work through it. Amen and amen. Thank you again for joining us today. Once again, I invite you to check out dtownpc.org for information about our worship and programming for all ages.